All right, welcome to episode fucking two. Yeah, we curse on YouTube. Fuck yes. Um, this is the Hagen's Alley Books podcast. Uh, basically, it gives me a chance to catch up with all my buddies that I see around the conventions, cool ass people, people that support everything, and we can shoot the shit. Um, first things first. Today, as you see in the daggone um little screen here you see we have rebel gaming club on um ironically while i'm recording this i can see dan on video i'm not that technologically savvy dan dan's apparently the technological marvel here um so go ahead and introduce yourself hey jeff this is uh dan from rebel gaming club and uh we're having a fine sunday morning here together aren't we yes we are i'm drinking out of my super mario brothers 3 mug it's the um, World 7 map on my mug. <laughs> oh, shit. Fancy. Yeah, it's fancy coffee. That's what I'm drinking. It's good shit. <laughs> so, how I'm going to structure these a little bit is, um, first off is that I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the book, since I don't do much editing with this, as we already talked about briefly. Um, basically, with my books, um, as a lot of the listeners already know, I had a print error with the definitive complete Super Nintendo. And it has been a fucking nightmare, <laughs> to say the least, like getting this goddamn thing. Um, and so to make things even more fun is that the printing company is reprinting the entire print run so we can have them fucking fixed. They're like, oh yeah, we sent out the, the fixed ones to you. We sent out the advanced copy. And so I look and I'm like, I moved out to Texas six months ago. They sent it to my old address again. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, so if they mess that up, I'm like, oh my God, please fucking tell me they got it right. <laughs> they got the, they got the print run right. Cause if they completely messed up what they messed up six months ago, I'm like, ah, <laughs> that's heartbreaking to see, dude. It's like crazy. So on, on a side note though, I'm not going to let it get me down. Obviously anybody who has an aired book, um, it's going to get a replacement. Um, yeah, I'm pretty far in the hole, but that is why we do Kickstarter and crowdfunding because I'm literally using funds that I've raised through crowdfunding. So it's not affecting the family. So that's the best part. Yeah, that's a big deal right there. Exactly. Um, so I did make an announcement last week um, about a date for the Hidden Gaming Gems book. Um, so the Hidden Gaming Gems book covering every generation of fucking video games, going all the way from Pong all the way to the Switch. Every generation is going to have a chapter. Um, I'm launching that sucker after E3 on the 15th. So it's like the E3 ends on the 14th, I think. So on the 15th, I'm launching that sucker on Kickstarter. Um, I'm letting a company handle the marketing since I don't have time. I work like 80 hours a week right now. It's nuts. (laughs) <laughs> so like yeah. Yeah, fucking nuts so that's where the books are though hidden gaming gems is coming um and all the corrections are in process um i'm actually sending what i have left of this the original book run i'm gonna send it myself to get fixed so if that gets done before the print run comes in i'm gonna send fixed copies out to everybody either way it's gonna be perfect books so there's a little bit of a way ahead so dan what the fuck have yeah. you been playing? What have you been playing? I the the last two months pretty much has been all MLB the show, the the new one on the PS4. Nice. I, I just can't I can't stop playing it. You, you know, I, I wrote a, an article for you in your one of your books 
for baseball stars. Correct. And this is pretty much the, the dream that I always had when I was a kid was to play a game like the show. And this, this new one is, is incredible. It's so realistic. And I'm, I'm 50 games into my season. The stats, everything's on point. I'm struggling. I'm sucking real bad with the Red Sox. So it's, it's fun. But that, <laughs> that's all I've played, literally. That's awesome, though, because I remember in your story, you used to, you were all about keeping your stats manually and going through and uh, doing the history of uh, the actual NES baseball stars. And it's like now they finally created the perfect game for you. They really have. It's like, it's like dream come true. And they've come close the last few years, but this is finally the one that it really it pulls it all together. And I'm just loving it so much. And normally I trade these games in within the first two months because the trade value is still pretty good on these sports titles within the first mm-hmm. two months. But mm-hmm. I'm going to have to eat the loss on this one because I'm having too much fun with it. Well, it's one of those things, too, is like once you play it enough – like regardless if it's a sports game or a wrestling game or whatever, once I've played a game enough, I keep it just for nostalgic value in the future. Because you put a lot of hours into it. Yeah, it is. But the problem is, you can always find that down the road for like two bucks, and Ten I know cents. that that will be the case. So a twenty-five dollar, you know, kind of deal is is good if I could replace it with a, a title maybe that I don't know about or I think that will hold some sort of value down the road. You know, it's it's all kind of like a you know it's a game inside of a game. You know, like trading stocks a little bit, really. <laughs> I mean, I completely get that one, and yeah, it's not going to be a rare game, so you you do have that. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. So, what the fuck have I been playing? So, um, last week uh, uh, with with David Ortiz, I was talking about Bloodstained. Well, the Kickstarter uh, sent out the backer codes finally. So, like, last week I was playing it on Steam uh, for Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, the basically the sequel to Castlevania III. Um, that's basically what that game is. And yeah. so I've been playing it now on the Switch because that's what I got as a backer. Um, and playing it, you can play it multiple different ways. And so this time I'm just murdering everything that stands in my way. Because, I mean, you do that anyways in the game, but you can actually kill your allies too. <laughs> so yeah. And th- I heard that game isn't super difficult. No. Is that correct? Um, so there's a casual mode and if you put it on casual mode, you get infinite lives and you don't get knockback. So not having knockback in the Castlevania makes it very easy. Yeah. You probably buzz right through it then. Mm-hmm, exactly. If you take it off casual mode, it's pretty comparable to Castlevania Three. So, I mean, you have both sides. Um, now, when something like a feature that's a feature to me, the casual mode, I'll throw it on. I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to rip my hair out anymore. Like I did that enough as a kid. Well, that and, and it sounds like you don't have a, a ton of time with with work and everything else and family to to sit there and double your time up on it. Well, exactly, exactly, and. So I spend plenty of time with with family and all that too. So yeah, hundred percent right. Um, the other thing that kicked off this weekend that I was playing, I played a little bit. And I'm talking, you know, like a few matches was uh, Mario Tennis Aces. There was a demo for that game. I I saw that. I I didn't actually download it, but I I'm hearing good things from the the community. Yeah. Um. So the matches themselves, because you can play versus the computer. Um. For like the it's like on probably easy mode or something but that's re- it's really fun there's power moves and the controls feel spot on um playing online 
Um, first match, I just went right to online and didn't play versus the computer and got my ass stomped. Um, it was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> but, but then the, um, the second match, I actually went back and forth and it was somebody who was on my friends list too. And we went back and forth for like a good 20 minutes and I ended up pulling out the victory at the very end. We ended up going to a, like a best of three, which was freaking awesome. Um, and then I went and played later and some guy was like, I don't know if he was utilizing the lag or he didn't have lag and I did. But, um, yeah, I, I just couldn't time anything because it kept on, like, shuddering a little bit, the game. So I was like, oh, I don't know if that's um, that's an issue. But I noticed that it was in the screen mode, and whereas I had the first two in handheld mode, and there was no lag online. So not sure if it was, like, because it was in the evening later and, you know, not 100%. Well, I mean, I'm sure with the the demo being out there, maybe that's what they're they're trying to get correct is any sort of lag issues and and all that stuff. Maybe, hopefully. Well, yeah, and but the thing is though, the offline, the the single player mode, it's fun, and I guarantee you, like couch co op, is going to be amazing. So, I mean, as long as all the the extra stuff that that comes along with it is interesting, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be fine. It, it, there's a story, some sort of campaign mode. You know the the problem is with the the last few it seems like they just cut out every bit of you know single player fun that you could have. Yeah, I hope that they continue to do the single player aspects of it because that's just just disappointing <laughs> if they do. Like, and I honestly I didn't get the Wii U version because I heard so many bad things about it. I was told it's not worth my time. Yeah, it's trash. God damn it, pisses me off. <laughs> And the irony is, is so like that's all I was playing on the Switch. I ended up buying um, Owl Boy on the Switch, and I've never played it. I've heard good things from Rewind Mike, um, and I haven't played it yet. And I have the physical copy sitting downstairs, so it's like there's a freaking masterpiece sitting there, like on my countertop that I haven't even touched. Like it's fucking crazy, dude. It's impossible with all these games coming out and and, and just having catalogs to to keep up with it really you know you really have to to make the effort and force yourself at moments to to keep up well and then there's like you know my nes oddities book so i'm obviously a avid nes homebrew collector and within the last two weeks i've gotten two new brand new nes games got a tower defense 1990 and action 53 volume 3 which has like 10 fucking games on it and it's like, so I have brand new NES games sitting here box that I haven't even popped in the system yet. <laughs> I saw that tower defense game that, that looked really cool. Actually. It looks awesome. I've seen the videos. The videos look like it's really, um, playable. So I just hope that I'm able to figure the fucker out. <laughs> like that's, that's the key. Cause you know, they only has two buttons. <laughs> so being, yeah. doing a tower defense, it's like, you probably gonna have to like press B for two seconds and then hit A and go to the left to set down your cannons or however you do it. But it's all fantasy-based, so I think it's like archers and, you know, like uh, axemen and stuff like that. Like, Yeah, no, that was intriguing. I, I was I was thinking about even trying to snag up a copy of that. Yeah, I, I did them on Kickstarter because my thing is is that getting success on Kickstarter, I try to help out everybody that I know and try to support all their stuff too. I just support the community as much as I can too, because it all helps out. Because um, anybody who's backed my books, it'll shoot or and and has followed me. You know, like the um on YouTube, the little bell to click the little ding to follow. Um, you can do that on Kickstarter, 
And so anybody who does that, they'll get an update when I back something. So, like, Tower Defense, when I back that, then anybody who's been following me sees, hey, there's a new NES Homebrew. So it's pretty cool. Oh, it's not, It's a good way to get the, the word out for starting that way, too. Exactly. And, I mean, there's just, like, so many cool things coming around. I'm just trying to limit myself on Kickstarter, too, since I'm in, like, kind of a financial bind right now with the books. So I'm trying to watch my ass right now. <laughs> trying to make sure everything works smoothly, because... Yeah, that's a multi-thousand dollar freaking USPS freaking thing that I have to deal with. Because that's 300 books that went out with errors. Uh, that's 300 mm-hmm. times 10 in the US times $80 per book overseas. Yeah, like, that's, I mean, that just, that's so much to think about and deal with. It's, I, it's I can't me. imagine. It's killer, man. It's just coordination and trying to make sure everybody understands that hey i have to play this waiting game that's why i did that one update where it's like and now we wait and now we wait again and now we wait again and it's like i'm moving um like to get the the books to the repair facility i had to coordinate with a freighting company because i don't have a freighting company (laughs) so i have to get the books moved via freight to a repair facility and i've been waiting a whole week for this freighting company to set up an account like just not like tons and, no. and that that's gonna cost probably a few hundred dollars just to get it there just to get it to oh, the yeah. thing jesus because it's uh 1200 something pounds or something shit like god yeah those books aren't they ain't light Mm-mm. and this new one's 6.3 pounds it's 630 pages the biggest one yet wow. <laughs> crazy so all right before i get off on any kind of crazy ass tangent i want to hear the story of the Rebel Gaming Club. The story of the Dan. The Dan Dan. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's it's all that that complicated of a story. It's just, uh, I, I think like a lot of us, we, we grew up playing video games. I, I, you know, I did. And even when I was touring in my in my band, the River City Rebels. That's you know, the we thing. Had, when you have a vinyl with your we, fucking mug on it, dude, there, there's an interesting story here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I lucked out right out of high school i i got a, a record contract with my band and, and essentially we were able to to have like a 12-year career touring and and doing everything that you know bands do releasing records and just having a good time not having to work a, a job and, and stuff like that so we did that for a long time but during all those years you know we had different you know box trucks that we toured in we had vans but we always had consoles in there you know, so video games were always an aspect, and uh, I, and I guess I wasn't a collector then. But you know, if there was a, a game that we wanted to play, we'd you know communally buy it and then you know kind of do it that way. So I, I wasn't you know the collector I am now, but it certainly was was in my blood. Um, so when the band kind of ended in 2014, I, I I was kind of just creatively kind of lost and didn't know what to do next and. You know, felt like I had to kind of get serious with a real job. So, you know, I, I have a real job where I work in a kitchen, you know, to, to make the, the proper money needed to live. And uh, I still wanted to get creative. So, uh, you know, watching Game Chasers, watching Angry Video Game Nerd and, and just all that, you know, it's the gateway channels that you get into the community creatively, I think. Uh, kind of spawned the Rebel Gaming Club, that the idea, because I, I saw a lot of channels, but I didn't see channels that reflected who I was 
and how I thought and in my sense of humor. So I figured there was a place out there for, for us to kind of make our own little spot and, and have a good time. And, and so far it's, it seems like, you know, there, there is a, a, a group of people out there just like me, you know, that have those kind of uh, same thoughts and, and humor. Well, exactly. And that's the one thing that I noticed. And um, so I first saw Rebel Gaming Club. I was over at Square Painter, Adam's house for a Midwest Gaming Classic. And he's like, you haven't heard of the fucking Rebel Gaming Club? What the fuck? So we sit there and we like started binge watching you guys that night, the night before fucking MGC. We we're sitting there drinking, watching Rebel Gaming Club. And I'm like, oh, these guys are fucking ridiculous. I'm like, <laughs> it was just like you guys are just raw, just shooting the shit about games exact same way that I shoot the shit about games with my buddies. And it's like just basically right on the same level. And I think that's why you guys freaking are catching fire like you are. You're, it's a it's a slow roll on YouTube, and then all of a sudden you hit the RGT level of oh now you're up at a hundred fucking thousand subscribers like crazy. Uh, oh, that, that, I, that that certainly won't ever happen for us. I, I think about this sometimes. I'm like, I I'm shocked that we've hit the level that we've hit. You know, you hit the thousand subscriber mark. I'm like that that's pretty great considering. Our fucking our humor is, is crude. You're it's, underground, it's, man. <laughs> it's it's it is really underground, and I, I just can't ever seeing it kind of busting out. But I'm okay with that. The the people that that we've made friends with, and the people that follow it, are you know the the best. Really, it's, it's a it's a, a close place. community. It's a close community. I fucking like it. Yeah, it, it reminds me of being in a punk band. It, re- it really is the same thing. You know, it's a it's a small scene, and everyone knows everyone. And, uh, you know, for the most part, it's a lot of positive, supportive people. And you, you get a few shitheads out there, but, you know, that's <laughs> your scene. You're talking to one of them right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's the classics, though, is that um, the underground aspect, because there'll be something that'll be lost if you get huge on YouTube, because there's going to be so many people there that you're not, you're going to lose that personal aspect that you're talking about. And it, it makes it really cool because, like, even when you guys do a live stream, it's like everybody, we all fucking know each other on the live stream. We're all just talking shit. Like, it's fun as fuck. <laughs> oh, it is. It, I mean, it's wonderful. And even if it got larger, it would it would try, it would be just as ridiculous. We would just have a lot of hate coming our way, which which would be fun. <laughs> I, I got no problem being the villain either, so it's fun. <laughs> the villain, the heel. That's <laughs> the classics. That's the thing, though, is that like, if you don't change. Like on YouTube, there's that you know search engine optimization you have to do, and that's why uh, YouTube channels like RGT85 and Wood are so successful is that they're completely going to SEO, but you have your own style. So the thing is, is and we we've talked about it on a VGBS gaming podcast where um, the Angry Video Game Nerd nerd episodes are always way more popular than. James and Mike or some of the other stuff that they do because that's his show. It's what people came to watch him on. And Rebel Gaming Club, it's the Rebel Gaming Club show that they watch. And that's what you do. That's you guys anyways. So it works. You don't even have to act. You just go over there and then you do your crazy ass skits, which that's probably a lot of fucking editing, by the way. <laughs> it's not. No, no? None of it is, actually. The, the, everyone, I like how everyone complains about time spent editing and all this shit. Yeah. We're able to do the music, filming, all this stuff, and we can wrap it within a, a six hour day. So That's it amazing. really isn't. It's it's not terrible. We're we're pretty 
proficient in, in pumping this stuff out. That's exactly what I'm shooting for with this format of the pot, the Hanging Down Books podcast is literally fucking, you'll just see the, the little title card and edit done. And then I'll do an audio version where I'll throw some of your music like under the intro and at, at the end I'll do something and that'll be it. Like, I mean, done. It's going to take me an hour. Like, that's it. Cause, that's um, what it's all about. Just just doing it over and over. I mean, sure, at the beginning, but you anything you practice, you know how it works. It just you uh-huh. get that down, just doing the reps, and and sooner than later, you're, you know, you're you're down in half the time to pump that stuff out. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I, I, with everything, like practice makes permanent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> permanent freaking, Definitely. permanent freaking uh, skills here that we're all building with this YouTube madness and. And I feel like be, being in a band for all those years, it, it, it certainly helped me, you know, kind of transition into this and, and kind of understand how things work and how to promote it and, and, and graphic design and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I had all those skills going into this. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been super helpful to, to make this stuff fly. So you know I have to be cheesy. So speaking of a band in transitions, let's talk about uh, Rebel Gaming Club doing their own music and Midwest fucking gaming classic that's coming up, man. I wish we were... No, the Midwest gaming classic, I wish we could have went to. But this <laughs> it's too, too many, many games. games too many games. So that's how uh, crazy I am. I wrote MGC on it, and I wrote TMG. <laughs> Freaking yeah, tired games. ass shit. I love it. <laughs> too many games. You're on the fucking stage on Sunday. It's amazing. It is. I, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I mean, this is, uh, I'm nervous, but uh, very excited and hopeful that, that we don't fucking totally blow it. <laughs> and the crazy thing is that started with just literally you guys promoting it on your channel, like saying, hey, we need to get into fucking too many games is like a kind of like a joke and then i we all just started pushing for it because we're all part of the community we're like hey paul fucking book their asses hey paul <laughs> oh yeah no we we trust me every angle that we could have pulled on that whole thing we we had we had Hell people yeah. uh, up top talking to him we i mean we harassed him bad and the the funny part was he had already been familiar with river city rebels so he, oh. he already knew who i was so I, I don't even think i had to do any of that stuff probably not <laughs> but it but it probably not but it, it's it certainly helped the cause and it was it was cool to see everyone kind of get behind that and and, and kind of make it a storyline for the show which you know now we'll see the conclusion of that as as we you know go down in flames at too many games and if jordan doesn't get his head shaved on stage for tradition's sake i'm gonna be disappointed <laughs> Last well, Keith, Ap- Keith Apicary is not going to be there, so I, I don't think that will happen. But you know, the shirt will come off. I'm I'm certain of that. Sure, certain it will. It'll probably bring out his. Uh, he'll he'll be wearing some of his costumes that he has from <laughs> Geisha Jordan. Yeah, maybe Geisha. he'll make an appearance. Some Who knows? Mass we'll, wrestlers will be out. <laughs> come out and power bomb somebody on the freaking stage. <laughs> Yeah, since I uh, I moved out to Texas, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the cast, so I mean, I only have so many uh, times I can go around to conventions this year, so I think I'm going to like three more this year, and so I'm, too many games wasn't on the um, wasn't on the schedule this year, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a, that's a bummer, but you know, I'm sure next year, hopefully, everything lines up and we're, we're both there hanging out. Hell yeah. 
yeah, I'm going to uh, Classic Game Fest next month in Texas. That'll be fucking pretty badass. Um, There's so much going on in Texas. It's it, that scene in general is just it's it's pumping. So the crazy aspect about that fucking weekend is my buddy Christian Dietering, He's having he runs Let's Play in Texas. That's the same weekend as Classic Game Fest, and that's a Game Fest to have me out as a guest. Let's plays that weekend and Retro Palooza Houston, same weekend. Oh, all of that's them. a lot. So you got Dallas, Austin, Houston, and I think Retro Palooza might have moved their date for that or postponed the Houston one because. The Classic Game Fest one's the biggest retro game convention in Texas. Is so, it really? Yeah, it's pretty big. I don't think it's as... I don't know. I, I think Too Many Games is bigger. But that's not in Texas, obviously. But I think Too Many Games is bigger. I think Portland is bigger. Even Midwest Gaming Classic. Um, I hope Midwest Gaming Classic happens next year. Because there's a chance it might not. I need to get out. I love that convention. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I I've seen footage uh, and it's it's definitely one that we were gonna shoot for next year. So I'm yeah. I'm hoping that it, it happens next year. Yeah, there was a blizzard on Sunday at Midwest Gaming Classic, so like they didn't nobody showed up because they couldn't get on the roads on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that you know when you're running a convention close to the line and nobody shows up the last day for to door sales. That's pretty hard for uh, the guys who run the convention, Dan and the guys. So I hope that they can still make it happen next year. Um, but yeah, too many too many games is freaking a blast though. Last year we we only got to shoot this shit briefly though. Like had beer, I think, behind Square Painter's fucking table. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was last year was nuts, and it, we were pretty much working and promoting the whole time. So it's yeah, you you get a you get like a half hour time slot to hang out and chat and that's it seems like that's about it yeah and i mean that year was was pretty crazy the year before that i had the the panel with and i had on my panel i brought on like randomly scott squatch freaking rgt85 d and dave and then uh freaking connor was getting super nintendo games thrown at him as dressed as Batman, and his dad was filming him, which his dad is freaking old man Pete. That's right. <laughs> so, like, that all shit all fucking happened. And uh, Vintendo was on, too. Vintendo was on with us, too. And it was like, that was a fucking crazy-ass panel. That was all impromptu. <laughs> like, all Paul expected. That's how, that's how it's, I mean, that's how it should be. And, and some of these <laughs> panels I've seen, are it's just, it's the same shit every time where I'm yeah. like, you guys got to reinvent your your panel. You can't do the same panel every year. Well, my thing is, I did that year. I did thirteen panels. And I didn't do one the same because I do them all live for like audio. So like, I just I always grab random buddies that I know. I go, hey, you want to fucking come on a panel? And I don't read shit. I go completely off the top of my head the whole time and bullshit about games because that's what I do. I'm a professional bullshitter. So <laughs> it's just that's, that's the way to do it. It's just fun as fuck, and that's the thing. Like, I've kind of showed some of the guys how to how to successfully run a panel and make it fun for the people watching it, and that's the key. 
Because otherwise, if I'm reading off of a fucking slideshow where I'm showing pictures of my books, well, here is the cover for the complete NES. And uh, this was drawn by... And I could do that. You could read your book, you know? Just read the book to the people. (laughs) Just read the book. (laughs) All fucking one million goddamn pages, because... The the definitive Super Nintendo is book nine, so I'm 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 good. I'm fucking, yeah, that's that's the thing. I'm the fifteenth. I launched book fucking ten. Goddamn, that's awesome. That's a feat. So um, last week in the comments section, back in the day, gamer said he didn't think he can wait two years for the complete Sega Genesis book because that's what I'm working on after Hidden Gaming Gems. And I said, dude, I work lots of fucking hours. It's probably going to take me a couple years to make this fucking giant ass every single release ever for the Sega Genesis book. Because think about Super Nintendo and the NES. So complete NES and NES oddities combined. That's going to be the Genesis book. And I'll probably throw in Sega CD and 32X. <laughs> yeah, that's a massive... I mean... Yeah, two years sounds sounds about right to to put something like that like that together and research it and, and make sure everything's on point. Yeah, yep. that's just that's so much work. So the thing is though, is that last year I did the research already for every system all the way up to PS one. So I already have the research done for the Genesis book. Like every I have it all split up by licensed um I call it bullshit games. So I don't want to write about every iteration of Madden like I did in the Super Nintendo book. <laughs> like, or every iteration of FIFA. So I'm going to list them out. And then if a backer wants to write it, because backers write and contributors write about games, if they want to write about a game, I'm going to, they can write about it in the in that section. Because otherwise, I'm not going to, they're still going to be in the collector's list, per se. But they'll, they won't have write-ups, because that drove me fucking nuts, trying to find differences between every Madden and every... FIFA and every MLB game and every NBA game and yeah, it's too that's too much that's I'll, that's madness right there and I'll piss off people with NHL '94 I will <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay I have to have a fucking standard um so here's where things get crazy is I've been working on the because I have hidden gaming gems my section completely written edited and waiting it's been waiting for like six months because I've been trying to get this fucking Super Nintendo book out so. While so I'm done with my part, and then literally whatever the contributors do for the hidden gaming gems, which they're longer reviews, they're four to eight page reviews on hidden gaming gems. Um, once that's all done and edited, um, then I'm moving on to the Genesis. But right now I have time, so I've been formatting and doing the layouts of the Genesis book. Well, back in the day, gamer little fire under my ass yesterday, last week, by posting that he wants to see it, so. Um, last night while I was shooting the shit on VGBS with Kyle, where we didn't even record because he went off on a tangent on Star Wars Episode Eight, um, <laughs> I uh, started doing box art. And so it took me about three months, and I was up to the L games in the Genesis license library. But I found a, a quick thing in InDesign yesterday. I got through the entire Genesis library last night in about four hours for the box art. Like, I'm saying I got through all the license, the PAL exclusives, the Japanese exclusives, the bootleg games, all of them. So I got done with 250 pages of box arts formatted last night because I found a a quick way to do it. (laughs) 
Well, that's that's like, a game changer then, like, right? Jesus Christ. Like, it was insane. I was like, I just found a way because I was manually having to edit and resize every single box art to make it look perfect. And I found a way to do a quick import. And I'm like, oh, shit. And it would have been nice to, to know uh, a while ago, huh? Three books ago, yeah. <laughs> it would have been fucking yeah. nice. God damn it. <laughs> Literally just saved me a lot of fucking time. Now... Here's the thing, though, is I was shooting this shit with Kyle, so hopefully I didn't miss a fucking game on my, my list. Because <laughs> I was, you know, not 100% not focused. There, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it because I still have to do – so I did the box art. I still have to go do all the inputs of all the screenshots, and I still have to do all the metadata for the layout formatting. So the metadata would be the game, the year, the publisher, the developer. And then that will be all the layout. And then I have to play every single game, <laughs> still, <laughs> every single game. Um, that's, what, a 1,000 games that I've done so far. No, I'm at 250 pages, 750 games so far with the Genesis library. Um, yeah. And then I still got to go through the homebrew games, too, because uh, you know there's a lot of homebrew games, right, for the Genesis? You know, I, you know the the homebrew stuff is you're the expert. I I know almost <laughs> next to nothing on homebrews. Okay, so to put things into perspective, my Genesis list is about 562 games that don't include the like I was just saying the BS section, which is about 142 games that are like just standard fishing or you know, uh, sports games and things like that, that I'm not going to write about every single one. Well, the homebrew section, looking at the list right now, right now I have 219 that I'm tracking that exist, homebrew games. 219 brand new Sega games. That's... And, and how many of those out of that 219 would you say are really well done in like games that are essential to, to anyone's collection, you think? So that's exactly why with the NES Oddities book, you saw that I had four separate chapters in there on homebrew games. So that's yeah. that's what I have to do now is I have to research every homebrew game, see where it's at. If it was released on a, a full cartridge and box art and everything, it's going to go in the first section. So it's going to be like released. So Pure Solar, for example. You know what Pure Solar is? Yep. That would be the – that's the epitome of a homebrew that's not even a homebrew anymore. That beats games that were released on the system. Like that's an amazing fucking game. Um, so that would be the epitome of, of that. So there's going to be games like Fix It Felix Jr., but there's two of those. I don't know if you know that either. There's two Fix It Felix Juniors created by two different programmers. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. The one that was released on cartridge was done by one of my buddies. And then the one that wasn't, I, I only found out about it because I, um, years ago I hacked an Xbox and when you hack Xboxes, there's this program called CoinOps. And I wrote a whole article that's like literally the top hit on my site almost every fucking day. How CoinOps is the best uh, hack hacking way way to hack an Xbox. Yeah, I, got it, I got it on my Xbox right now. Hell yeah. And so one of the images from CoinOps was, had Fixed fucking Felix on it. And I look at it, I'm like, that's not the one my buddy did. What the fuck is this? So I started researching and some guy did it the same exact year. 
and it's a different fucking game because they both programmed it and so like the one that went on cartridge was done by airwalk studios which is now another company called second dimension um and so they there's like the um the windows don't re-break on fix it felix with wreck it ralph so like when when you play the actual quote-unquote real arcade game if you take too long the windows will re-break as as ralph is breaking shit um on the genesis one that does not happen so <laughs> whereas i think that the other version does have the rebreak, but it, the controls suck ass. <laughs> so, touch twenty two there. Uh-huh. But the controls in the actual physical release are amazing. They're awesome. Um, and then yeah, so I'll have that section in the Genesis part, and then I'll have everything else, like all the different digital stuff, which I'll probably use that same list format that I'm using for the licensed sports games for the the downloadable games because basically you'll be able to download all of those for free and i'll probably put a link just like i did with um the nes oddities book like where you could find it like the website and i thought it was pretty cool that way you can those who want to delve real deep down that fucking rabbit hole can um, yeah that that's a that's a deep deep hole right there that yeah I mean, I have weird-ass Genesis homebrews over here. One is called Zombie Terror. So if you know the, the zombie movies in the UK were called Z-O-M-B-I. Somebody in the UK released a Z-O-M-B-I Terror like visual novel on the Genesis Mega Drive. And it's all horror-based. And it's fucking amazing. <laughs> like, And the, the, the labor of love that goes into those kind of projects. It's, yeah. I, I can't imagine. Because you don't know who's getting those. I and have and no how idea. do you promote that? And because like it, mine came in. It's like one of those clear VHS clamshells. It's a classic VHS looking box art. Like seriously, after I post this like episode, I'm gonna have to post this fucking this on Instagram, like for real, so you can see this shit. Because I, I not only did they release it on the Mega Drive, but they released it on the Commodore 64 as well. What? And I and so I have both, and I they, they were like twenty bucks or something too. They were cheap as shit, and I'm like. That's when I realized a little bit of the nuances of the Genesis that I, I had to get a Honeybee adapter because the Mega Drive is not compatible with the Genesis. <laughs> but with a Honeybee or a Game Genie, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, but like this, it's a weird ass fucking combo thing that I got. Like, I got both, but I've never played the Commodore version, but the Genesis one is on point. Now, with, with the collector's market for that kind of stuff, is it is it crazy? Is it people go nuts over that? And because I'm sure the print runs on those are really low, I would assume. Very low. Now, I don't see it being as crazy as the NES one was. I say was because, like, I want to I want to say that when I released Black Box Challenge, like the Kickstarter, which was with the complete NES a couple years ago, that was the pinnacle of where nes collecting was nes homebrew collecting was crazy people were going nuts they were spending thousands of dollars on limited editions and shit it was insane like somebody posted like an auction on nintendo age and people would bid it up for like a thousand dollars for the top number one and shit now it's lucky you're lucky if it gets up to like 80 or 100 bucks like a normal collector's market now again but it was like crazy for a few years and so when i did black box challenge it freaking caught fire it went nuts 
I mean, that that's just a brilliant idea, period. I mean, that I could see why that took off because that it, the concept is amazing. Oh, yeah, the, the collector's game where you play an RPG with almost Mike Tyson's punch-out-like reactions in the RPG, you know, a gameplay. That's the fucking fun part. Like, the thing is, is hardly anybody's played it because I only made a limited amount, and then Slydog Studios went with Infinite NES Lives, and they took the art, because the art has me swimming in a pool of Nintendo games, they took me off of it and just made a white label. And, like, so there's no marketing to it at all. <laughs> well, I mean, how many were printed up? So I did 30 of the limiteds, which was the black box art, black NES black box art. And then the non-limited, I only printed as many as I had people buy it during the Kickstarter. So I was 80. So I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't do any. So it's, uh, you're. You're out of luck if you if you want to get a copy at this point. <laughs> there might be another twenty card onlys that I did, thirty maybe, like without boxes. But like I I probably have about four more completed boards down here that are just sitting in 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 a box that I could make like a, a few more cartridges if I if I needed to. And basically that's usually just for friends and stuff that like hey I need a copy of the game and I'll make them a copy. Um, not even. Cause the thing is, it's cool as shit. The game is amazing, and um, I, I made one for uh, Riggs the other the other time, and then he took it onto Metal Jesus's channel after I sold out. <laughs> I sold out literally the week before that video aired. <laughs> I felt bad because yeah, I, I mean got... that's awesome. That, that that kind of stuff feels great, you know. It's just it's you know that's what you want to do. You want that kind of success right out the gate, and that you've done it. It's there. People want it. You know, you just—it's got—it's got to be a great feeling, right? I mean, it's—it's it's awesome. And the thing was, is that like that was one hundred percent Slidog Studios. Like, they incorporated like the ideas and everything. It was just me shooting the shit with Rob from Slidog, and he—that's his mastermind. All the inside jokes, all the collecting—that's all Rob. And literally, he just associated with my book and got completely like blown away by the reception that's why i'm like he did really bad marketing it though for the the because it's still available like it's available on infinite Ace lives but it's just a white label so oh so i see what you're saying that yeah. it's just the, the the cool art is all gone at this point which is kind of you know one of the the big draws to it you know it's like anything you see you see that art and you want it yeah and it's the garbage pail kids guy that did the art for the cover and everything so it's like and it's the same guy who did the art for the complete NES book. So it like goes hand in hand. And I didn't say he couldn't use the art. He just didn't want it to say Jeffrey Wittenhagen's anymore. So he just took the name off and <laughs> just called it Black Box Challenge. I'm like, okay, like whatever you want, man. That's that's on you, brother. Yeah, like, like I don't care. <laughs> I was just like that's stupid. I mean you're, you're you're the one that's that's out at these conventions you're you're in the community it's you i you think you'd want that name on there i would want that name on there because i know you're going to be out there working yeah and i would have like he could send me copies and i'll sell them for him i don't care like whatever like i've done the same thing before it's i do this all as a passionate hobby like the the book thing everything's all for you know just the same reason why everybody does youtube channels why you're doing rebel gaming club it's just because we fucking love video games like 
Well, there, there's a, a need for it. And that, that's with any community. It's like you look around and if you don't see what you want to see, you create it and make it happen. It's a reality. It's something that that's real. It's, you know, yeah, it's the same deal with the, the music, you know, making an album. You know, there's a lot, a lot of bands out there. I, I just don't hear bands that are making the music that I want to hear about video games. Yeah. Exactly, and like the way that the style that you guys are doing is way different than anybody else that I've heard because you you've been posting on on your YouTube channel, um, which there'll be a link, obviously. Um, but like you've been posting up music videos as you record them, which is fucking really cool. Like, and you get to see like the style, which is different than anybody else than what anybody else is doing. It's completely RGC stuff. Fucking cool. Yeah. Just like I said, lucking out on those years of touring and and, and playing, you know, in in a punk band and all that stuff and really just taking all that knowledge. And now if we could just find a drummer, that's that's what we need, a a drummer. So drummers out there. Hey, another seven years if you don't have a drummer. I'm fucking retired here because I have I have less than seven years till I retire from my current career. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm a drummer, but I fucking move every goddamn two years right now or three years. So it's <laughs> I'm not reliable except for maybe at conventions. <laughs> uh, we, we're realizing how difficult it is. I mean, because we have we have members, we have a bass player, we have a guitar player, and then there's the three of us singing. And plus, you add in occasionally you got Yesay Asha also and Mosley. Yeah, it's the the chaos of trying to line up rehearsals. Oh my god, it's near impossible. So we're we're going into all this pretty much blind. So you throw a drummer in the mix on that, that I I would be scared. Like how many times would just be like, all right, that was a fuck up. Let's stop. Start the song over again. (laughs) And the thing is, though, is that like for me, whenever I play, I have to play with the the members for a while to get a flow. Like I we we do like. Like, just like with how we do the podcast and bullshit and just shooting the shit, that's kind of how we did um, Enemy, None More Evil, when I was in the metal band before I joined joined uh, the military, is that we played and we, we toured around, like, Chicagoland. And I did guitar, I did bass, I did drums. I can play, like, any of the instruments, and I can do any part of it. But, like, the drummer was the hardest part to fucking get. But you have to have the fucking, you gotta feel it with the band, to me. So, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, gotta, you gotta, everyone's got a little bit different style, and to to exactly. mesh those to, to to come together is not easy. Some guys mm-hmm. are are really good at just adapting, but some really aren't. Exactly, and the thing is, is I like to just I got to know when you're gonna want to transition, <laughs> and like <laughs> that's that's gonna be the key. I can't just sit down. Wait, when, when do I go to the ride symbol? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's gonna give the eyeball. Like, give the eyeball to you that's when you go to the ride symbol gotta gotta give me the sex eyes and then i'll just fucking <laughs> jesus here i'll just do that i'm actually messing around with the with the uh the picture on the screen that's made because while you were talking about rgc i posted up a picture of you and now i just made it bigger and smaller like well <laughs> fucking messing around with the shit that's that's live editing folks like fucking editing. Um, <laughs> so here's one thing that I haven't announced. And since you're doing albums and people that get, get to uh, 45 minutes in, 
let's uh, give them a little bit of uh, something that I'm working on on the side. So, last year I released uh, VGBS Season 1 on an NES cartridge. I don't know if you're aware of that. I wasn't aware of that. So, How did I miss that? So, it was on Kickstarter. Um, I We did... Video Game Bullshit Season 1 is a playable NES cartridge, and you can read about all of our VGBS episodes. So we did like a text synopsis of every episode of Video Game Bullshit. There's um, there's like music by a composer, freaking really, really badass uh, musician, and he did like bit, bit tune, chip tune artists and information. We have... um. Basically, our bullshit homework that we did throughout season one of Video Game Bullshit, we we did a synopsis of every game on there, and then all the Kickstarter backers. It was a really simple, cool thing, just so we could have a playable NES cartridge with our podcast on it. Um, so one of the guys, fast forward to now, one of the guys that we room with every year um, at Midwest Gaming Classic is Memblers, and we call him the fucking Yoda of NES Homebrew. He's the reason why the tech exists that people can put games on cartridges. He's the one who did all the boards. He started it all like over almost 20 years ago now. Um, and the dude's cool as shit. Um, Kyle's over there freaking partying with him all weekend, every, every weekend at Midwest Gaming Classic. Awesome dude. So last year, um, after we did VGBS Season 1, he's like, you know, I could get it so you could just play your podcast on the cartridge. The audio. I'm like, wait, how? <laughs> so he is working on tech to play. You know, I'm, we're talking eight hours of audio or more. And he said, yeah, no problem. So basically, when I thought about that, I'm like, ooh. So if you can figure this out, we can apply this to everyone. So say, think about Rebel Gaming Club having your album on a playable nes cartridge i mean that that would be that'd be amazing what's the what what kind of price point is on that though i he said it's not expensive because he's he hand makes everything but like he said he's getting this the the tech for it like the um the pieces from like china or something is cheap it's like talking less than a dollar for the components so, like, it's all on his fucking genius to put it together. And so, essentially, it's going to be like an S- micro SD card type deal. Like, so that way you can just throw all the audios in a certain format on the micro SD card. And then the program that he's writing is going to call that onto the NES. And it's going to read it into the NES program, the audio. Um, are you aware of Sergio Elizondo's uh, release that he did? Yeah, I, I actually am familiar with that one. So it's a similar program. Like he knows this. It's the same people whose program that would be in conjunction working on this audio um, engine. So literally, though, you could put any audio on any his cartridge and play it. So I asked him, I'm like, so VGBS season one, we had the cool ass user interface with all the text. Is there any way we could go like, here's episode one or episode two, Hidden Gaming Gems, freaking talking with Rebel Gaming Club, and you could click it and then it fucking plays our audio. And he said, yeah, that'd be too easy. (laughs) 
So, wow. so we're talking about an interfaceable on the NES cartridge where you could play audio, releasing NES albums, like full albums. And no, man, imagine doing that, and and also doing it with the you know make boxes for it. Yeah. I, the possibilities would just be you could make some really cool deluxe stuff. Boxes, manuals, yeah. And the, the thing was is like the the funniest part was the question he asked me is so after I make this can can I distribute it to the community? I'm like you better distribute it to the community. I want everybody to put out albums. It would be amazing. Like just the the possibilities are endless with that. It would be awesome because I was like no I don't want this proprietary to, to VGBS at all. Like I want freaking everybody that's why i'm bringing it up to you too because i'm like you're doing video game shit and i'm thinking like last week with like dave doing the mariachi stuff and like everything nes style anybody who does video game related stuff and collects would like it's just like a dream being able to be part of the nes lineage and actually putting out music albums that'd be a whole new genre I it, it would just it, yeah it, would ma- it just makes things really special. It makes the the piece of art that you make like that much more special, and especially if you're only having maybe a limited run of fifty copies. Oh yeah, it would ju- it would just bl- it would sell out in a you know in a day. I feel like that that wouldn't take any time at all. Oh, I mean, every single member of RGC would buy your album like seconds and. Like, VGBS Season 1 sold out, and we are the freaking punk underground of fucking podcasting. It was hilarious. Um, Somebody posted about, um, I think it was on the Metal Jesus Rocks Facebook page, posted, oh, what are your favorite podcasts? And I go, and, and like, Riggs was posting stuff, everybody's posting stuff, and I posted my link. I was like, hey, nobody posted about uh, VGBS, and then the link went away. And I'm like, I just went to Riggs' post, I'm like, hey, what happened to that? And they're like, it's too underground. Everybody knows about VGBS. <laughs> Like only the cool that's the, that's who the cool kids listen to. I'm like, goddamn, because I see the numbers. We have a fuck ton of listeners, I'm talking like tens of thousands. Like it's crazy, and because it's on the podcast side, not talking YouTube. Because I don't. This is going on YouTube and podcast. But I'm talking about the podcast side. Like we don't really have an interaction medium there. So like Kyle and I don't see a whole lot of fan interaction. But like. We were also talking like Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't have any fan interaction either. He's fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, so. <laughs> I mean, that is the problem. And I, I you know, there's, I, it's weird in the community. There's, there's not a ton of podcasts that, that are happening that, that I feel like are done well, that are, that are interviewing people. I mean, there, there's really only maybe three or four that, that are in rotation where mm-hmm. I, I try to keep up to date with it. And it's, I, what what do you for podcasts listen to as far as as that goes i'd be curious to hear your your top 3 list of go tos yeah. okay so got? so for my podcast let me uh let me go over to my itunes cuz i use my phone um i used to listen to a lot more when i was in maryland cuz i had a about an hour commute each way now mm-hmm. i don't have the commute but i still listen to them um, now, there's a few of the big ones that I had to stop fucking subscribing to because they started to piss me off. Um, the classic was the Retronauts, who were like the, we call them the pontificating podcast. But we stopped listening to them because they started having so many ads. We can't fucking stand it. It is crazy. Um, I've, no- I've noticed that too, yeah. So I stopped listening to those ones. Um, a lot of the ones that I listened to, they all stopped. Like um, Arcade Outsiders was pretty badass. They stopped recording in 2016. Um, so who I listen to, 
Um, RF Generation Collector Cast. Um, my buddy Duke Togo runs that one. He actually is the one that helped me get the podcast level up with VGBS initially with season one. Um, they don't record too often anymore, though. It's fucking nuts. Um, so the main ones, Retrovaniacs. All right, that's that's in my top, mm-hmm. you know, weekly kind of deal where where I try to follow those guys. All right. Yep. Um, retro. You know them, dude? Um, I don't know them personally. I just listen to. Them. I know. All I've, right. Yeah. Yeah, they they're all pretty cool. Like when I had a new book, like when the definitive was about to come out, I like message them online. And they're like, "Oh, cool, just let us know." And I forget, I forgot to let them know. So <laughs> it's just weird because those guys they exist in this community, but yeah, I don't know anyone that's ever actually met them. Nope. Um, let's see. There's also Retro Warriors. All right, that's on my that's on my list too. That's mm-hmm. the I listened to them yesterday actually. Yeah, those are my two big ones. Um, couple of buddies that I do know. Um, there's three. Um, Pixel Tunes Radio. That's Mike Levy, Mike Tendo. Um, they recently just stopped stopped that podcast though, and they're doing something new. But they're all about video game music. So that's that one. Um, Xander Scullion, the XS Gaming Podcast, is pretty cool. Um, and then Class vs. Crass, of course, with Sean Long and yep. and uh, Jason. Those are those are classics. Um, the other one that I listen to almost religiously is Killing the Town with Lance Storm and Cyrus from ECW. Wrestling yeah. Podcast. <laughs> They're fucking yeah, awesome. No, I, I, I listen to The Law when it comes – or I used to listen to The Law. Nice. Live um, Audio Wrestling. So the newest video gaming podcast that I listen to is um it's called Hagen's Alley Books Pod. No, I'm <laughs> no um the TurboTastic podcast just started up uh, a few months ago, and if they're going in order. It's one guy. He's going in order, talking TurboGrafx sixteen game by game. Um, wow. with, with one guy, it's a little dry though to me. Like you need somebody to shoot the shit off. You, you got to have someone to bounce that off. What the mm-hmm. the solo act? It, it's really really tough. Yep, I agree. And it's like it's crazy. And then have you caught the Nintendo Power podcast at all yet? You know, I I have, and it's it's been hit or miss so far. Where yep. I, there's been moments where I'm like, this is a lot of fun, and there's been moments I'm like, ah, oh, this is so dry, and there's just there's nothing going on here. <laughs> That's exactly it, and, like, it's just, yeah, it's, I don't get it, though, because it's Chris Slate, which he used to be editor-in-chief of Nintendo Power, but before that, he was PlayStation Magazine. When PSM was first released with the PS1, he was the editor-in-chief of PSM. So I remember seeing his mug. Yeah, no, he has, he has he's, you know, he he has all the rights to, to be able to do something great like this, but it's, yeah, it's so far just... I don't think he knows the formula well enough and hopefully he keeps it up and and there's, you know, there's more going on there. Shit, man. I I hope so, but damn, he's just like not quite hitting it. You know what I mean? Like it's just hit or miss basically. Yeah. I was always curious with with the podcast. I wish there was more collector podcasts. I think that the the community there really isn't that one definitive kind of podcast. Now I was curious because I haven't been able to find one. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, there was the Collector Cast for a while. Um, that was the um, RF Generation one, but they still didn't really talk about 
collecting like I know you're talking about, like like you would like to see. I, I kind of know exactly what you're talking about, what you want to see with the collector thing. And, I mean, yeah. all-gen gamers for a while would do it, but then they don't ever record because they all got too big on YouTube. Like, yeah, no, the, the early stuff was pretty on point, and then, yeah, definitely by the end it just you could tell it was a an afterthought exactly and i mean i could always start doing a collector's corner here but this is more like just us shooting the shit and catching up <laughs> like that's just that's just me like i got rather keep it informal and not collector based but you know there's the thing is is that the collector's market on all different avenues is is insane i mean i picked up a fucking really good piece this week, I haven't posted it on Instagram yet, but I got Darius Plus on the Turbo the PC Engine. Picked that up for oh. like twenty bucks complete. What what is that? What's that go for? Um, I know that both Darius Plus and Darius Alpha are the two PC Engine games that are cross compatible with the Super Graphics, and they have increased graphical capabilities on a Super Graphics. And there's only a handful of games for that. Both of those games are pretty pretty expensive. Um, I thought it was like an eighty dollar game, and I got it for twenty. Completely, every other copy was more expensive. So wow. I, I was like, "Snag!" And I, I won it with a bid. I just threw a bid on it and just sat on it, and I won. And I was like, "Oh, cool!" <laughs> oh, it's awesome when that happens, right? We kind of forget about it, and it, it just, it just happens. Exactly. And like, so yeah, I picked up that sucker, and like, that's all I'm picking up is random ass, rare shit that I've never heard of, and. We could use that as a transition, actually, because Hidden Gaming Gems and Genesis in mind, there are a fuck ton of rare-ass Genesis games that I've never heard of. <laughs> I wanted to see if you heard of them. I'm calling... I'm going to do an article on my page eventually, and it's going to call, it's called Genesis Games That Are Extremely Hidden Gems. No, not Hidden Gems. Extremely. Like, I never fucking seen the box art, never heard of the goddamn game. And, like, this shit is, like, crazy, and, like, Really, if I was really on point, I would have all the box art like lined up and I could show it up on the fucking screen, but I'm I'm not that high speed. So I'd have to do it on the fucking fly. <laughs> so the first one I wanna see if you know. It's called the Gadget Twins. Nope. Never so, heard of it. So the Gadget Twins, if you look at the box art, it is like a fucking Disney cartoon or it looks kinda like a cuphead. Um, and it's a shoot 'em up with like cartoony graphics, and you're like these little airplanes. And it's like, yeah, I want to see because so basically, Dan's gonna look this up on his phone while we're while we're chatting, so he can see the fucking art and look at it. And you should too while you're listening. It's like this shit is like stuff I never even fucking heard of. And I'm like, what is this game? Like, this is these are U.S. released games. And the crazy thing is, is while you're looking it up, is that like some of the box art and things like doesn't exist for some of these like in high quality because all the artwork in my book has to be like optimal quality and like all the PAL exclusives all the Japanese exclusives and everything yep that is it so he's showing it's by game tech and it's literally like crazy looking shoot 'em up that is it's fucking it looks cool as shit that looks amazing but now I guess the, the next question is what what does this go for <laughs> and that's the thing like some of this shit that i was looking up like these games are fucking expensive because nobody has it like nobody's heard of it 
gotta look it up now like shit you gotta like that's the thing that's crazy is the so so the next one while we while we look up the the price of that one that you gotta look up which is hilarious <laughs> so the gadget so we're doing a little bit of a collector's corner um the next one is normie's beach babe orama never never heard it. it but good news is gadget twins it looks 13 like bucks. Complete 15 bucks complete price and it says yeah. there's you know two only two sales per month so Hell it yeah. looks like yeah you can you can find that one fairly cheap nice um look up normie's beach babe orama <laughs> <laughs> that one is a sega genesis game um and i'm looking it up on the ebay's as as we're looking it looks at like 30 30, 30 bucks. bucks look at that box Complete. art it looks like a dude like stealing like women's um like there's a bunch of women behind him he like looks like he took their tanning oil or whatever and he's running away with it well it kind of looks like the art from lemmings or, or something like that almost yeah exactly but it's like what the hell I, man I, I just love that box art i love that style i i, I yeah, love you never it see these. you never see them so another one that we were like i was cracking up about so look up uh trampoline terror <laughs> trampoline terror another one that's not super expensive but look at this artwork it's almost like a it's like almost like a little puzzler, but the dude almost looks like Santa on the cover, like running from like a, like jumping on trampolines. It's one of those white label games, so you know it's gonna be hard to find mint. But it's still another one that's like under twenty bucks shipped. I think nobody knows about these fucking games. Like crazy though. Like that one looks hilarious though. Oh yeah, that 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 cover art's great. Yeah, but what is it really? What like, is what that? the fuck is this? What is this? So one that's a little more expensive that looks like a badass fucking game though. It's called Onslaught, and that game looks really fucking cool. It has badass box art, like almost like Turrican. It's it's made by the same people who released Turrican, um, and it's like really really cool looking game. That one goes for a little bit more. You can find it cart only for $35. But it's like over 60 if you're looking to get it complete. Yeah, that yeah, it's got a, a guy with a, a big old axe big on the cover. Like some axe. sort of beast looking guy. Can't have a shirt either. It's not not acceptable with fucking yeah. this kind of stuff. But like like some of these these are rare ass fucking games though, because like nobody talks about these ones. That's the thing about the Genesis is, so I didn't have a Sega Genesis growing up. I just played it in the neighborhood, and so I didn't play a lot of these games growing up. Like, I mean, another one that we could look at is Growl, <laughs> and there's no complete ones under, like, $200 with the manual, but you can get a box and cart for, like, 75 Growl is another one where it's, like, crazy-ass freaking games, wow. man. And they just look cool as shit. And it's like, I've just never, like... And the thing is, is that... And I would say I'm almost skewed. Because with NES and Super Nintendo now, I've played every fucking game that there is. 
Like, literally, I've written about them all. So I've played every fucking game for Nintendo Super Nintendo. So it's like, those are so far, like, in my psyche now. So that's where I'm going to be with Genesis soon, is that all of these games, like, um, look up another one, High Seas Havoc. It's a platformer, pirate platformer, but it's, like, cartoony. <laughs> it was released in... At so you're, you're just excited to be able to dive into these, and, and it's like, this is you're going somewhere new now. Exactly. That's where this is, Genesis is exciting to me. Like, doing something like Nintendo 64, like, we all know those games. There wasn't that many. The Genesis is untapped. I mean, there's people that are staunch. I'm using staunch as a word. Genesis collectors. And, like, they don't know some of these games. Or if they do, like, they might know one of them. (laughs) Like, fucking High Seas Havoc looks fucking cool. Uh, I mean, let's face it. Even the, the Genesis in general... To, to find and collect the Genesis right now is, is not easy. It's not even mm-hmm. easy to find common stuff anymore. Yeah, because, like, Genesis was on the rise a while ago. But, like, Super like Nintendo was crazy. And then after everybody got to a stopping point with Nintendo, they went to Super Nintendo. And that got insane. And it's still insane. And then Genesis bulked up when people moved from the Super Nintendo. And now... It's actually going to PS1, which is crazy. PS1 is starting. I never thought disc-based consoles were going to go up, but like PS1 is becoming highly collectible. I mean, isn't it like every 5 years it it's that 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 changeover, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it seems uh, it's the the next one in line, so it makes sense. And just like we'll see in in 10 years the the PS2 and GameCube yeah, and stuff like that be on the rise. It'll be interesting to see too, because as you know, it's, it's as every five years because it's as people get jobs in the working force, they start rekindling their childhood and nabbing up games that they saw, and then those that are collecting are continuing to add more and more to the repertoire. But it'll be interesting to see because here's the thing: what makes the NES games to me and the Super Nintendo and somewhat Genesis collectible is the boxes. Um, Genesis had the clamshells, so I always thought that the clamshells made it easier to collect, but now it's not even the case. So, but the thing is, is that now you have people like yourself who started really early with GameCube when it was still cheap. So is it going to be as collectible in 10, 15 years when people have them already and they're already collected? Because the key is, is what's making NES and Genesis and PS1 collectible is people weren't collecting them initially, like except for those that were collecting and like figure collectors and shit and baseball and comic book collectors were already doing video games back in the 80s. I know people who were collecting since the 80s, myself included. Um, But it's one of those things where it's like, will the PS2, the Xbox, the the GameCube be at that level when people are buying one to play, one to collect since about that era. <laughs> it, yeah, I know what you're saying. I know uh-huh. 100% what you're saying. And I, I, that's a good, that's a good thought. I, I don't, I guess we can't predict those kind of things, but m- my guess would be that it, it would follow suit like the NES, like the Super Nintendo, where you have seen even the 64, where now that's starting to get hot. It is. So 
I, you know, and a couple of years ago, 64, no one wanted it because they were like, the the cartridge looks stupid. You can't display it, all this. So people yep. were just selling it off left and right. And now you see people like really wanting that stuff. And I mean, that goes with the box too. The 64 boxes were like, we destroyed them as kids. So it's one of those things now where having a box copy of some of that stuff is outstanding. And It'll just to me it'll be interesting because like the demand will will gear it too. So like I could say, Oh, well, you have a hundred copies of this game, it's not gonna be worth shit, but guess what? If the demand's there, it'll become collectible. It has to be the demand. So and I think the demand will always be there because people will be kindling their childhood. Rekindling their childhood. Like they will literally want to play those games that they played as a kid, and if they can't get it, they're gonna pay for it. Well, and now it's become such a hobby. You know what I mean? It's 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 yeah. like you know it's like it is like collecting baseball cards. But now it's it's something more practical, something you can play, and uh, there's a culture for it. Before, I mean, like mm-hmm. you're talking ten years ago, this really wasn't there wasn't a massive culture for this that kind of nurtured it. Now it's there's so many of us out there that have different aspects to to make it alive that it's if you're coming into this this scene right now you're just like wow there's so much to do here there's so much to see so much to hear and, and there's I, something I for everybody th- there really is so i i only see it you know potentially getting larger and in this mm-hmm. stuff continuing to to kind of to grow in price that's where i think like gaming kills any other type of hobby because not only do you have the the playable game when it comes to it but you also have, and that's where like I hit it with the books is the artwork for the boxes, and the artwork was done by an artist somewhere. Sometimes, most most of the time, unless they took like a picture. But that's an, there's an art piece to it, and then you have on the game the music, and it's done by a musician. Like, and as things get more and more advanced, it's literally like recordings of orchestras and like. Your, some of your music's on some fucking games from the generation we're talking about with GameCube and Xbox. Some of your River City Rebels is on fucking yeah, games. Yeah. Part of fucking history of video games right there. Like, without a doubt. And that's where shit gets crazy is it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you can follow, like, the people who program or the people that publish or... Like it just it's just never ending and it's awesome and I, I guess it, I you can almost compare it to to collecting records because it's the same thing you get this art you get yeah. the, the story that goes along but you can also put it on your turntable and, and listen to it and enjoy it and uh, mm-hmm. there's memories with it there's there's so many different things I, I I think it's very similar and that's record collecting is is just as popular as it ever was too so it's it's popped back it's up like video games not going anywhere. Yep, it's popped back up, and I think the finite physical copies and the actual putting the record on your turntable and playing it is what draws a lot of people because it's something you do. Whereas digitally, it's not as it's not as much of an experience. It's the same thing with digital gaming; it's not as much of an experience, even though you're still playing the game. Um, it's still not the same as the whole experience of the physical aspect. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm all about that that physical life. It just it's fun to see those and and to remember 
moments in time. I mean, video games, the music, movies, it's all that stuff. It, you know, it's all memories that, that you're holding on to. That Also, people come over, they, they get to, to share those those memories with you. Well, exactly. And that's where, like, right now you have online where it's cool as shit because me, you and I could fucking play a game right now online. And we could have an experience. Like, that's fucking cool with that new um the new genesis collection that came out we could play genesis games online apparently i haven't gotten it but like we could play fucking golden axe together <laughs> well online that's, i mean it's it's cool I, I do admit that's pretty cool but on the other side there's nothing like sitting next to each other drinking a beer and fucking destroying some motherfuckers on a video game like that's just yeah, that's. I mean, that's what it's all about. Those are the best moments, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm making those same experiences with my daughter when we're playing fucking games downstairs and playing new new games and and old games. Showing my daughter how to play Mario Paint on the Super Nintendo, or <laughs> she's she just likes creating me's on the fucking Switch. Like she has like a hundred me's that she's created. Like, <laughs> funny, right? It's not even a game, but you know what I mean. You, you make it a game. Yeah, and. Like God, and she she every time we go to the store, Nintendo is genius with their marketing. She looks at that Labo shit, and she's like, "I want this," and I'm like, I'm looking at, it, I'm like, I, "I don't want this cardboard in my house." Like, you know, you're gonna you're, pl- you're, you're gonna like play you it. don't want that. I'm like, you're gonna we're gonna play it once. It's gonna be fun, and then it's gonna collect dust. And it's not the car, it's not the plastic shit from the Wii, but it's the same thing. But then it's gonna get dented and broken and flimsy. And I'm like, it's going to be awesome to do once, but it's not 60 or $80 awesome. Cause that's, no, that's like clearance, $20 fun. Yeah. Like when it's on clearance and 20 bucks and it will be because nobody's going to keep buying that shit. Um, Nintendo's genius with their marketing. They probably made their money back already, but when it's $20 clearance, I'm all about it. I will play it with my daughter. She will fucking love it. It'll be cool, but I don't want that $80 fucking cardboard in my house. <laughs> No, but what if? All right, here's 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 a thought for you. Yep. What what if that was like a fire emblem castle that you had to build, and then you put the the switch inside of the castle and you play it like it's a, <laughs> like an arcade machine. You know, what I mean, there's cool things they could do. If they did some cool shit, want, yeah. But like not the like say they did a virtual console one where you literally build a Nintendo out of cardboard and you put the switch inside of the Nintendo. <laughs> Yeah, I mean anything you could. <laughs> there's so many different possibilities of you know the collector aspect yeah. that that you could make it super cool. There, there's and a way. Collectible. There is there is definitely a way, and I think you're on something about that because if they created a Mario or a Legend of Zelda one where you build something fucking out of cardboard that like you can play the system in while you play the game, like. I guarantee you the same people that are talking shit on Labo where it is currently would be like, oh, I want to get that Zelda cardboard. And (laughs) I mean, they would because you would build it and you display it kind of like a statue when you're done with it. So there's multiple ways of looking at, I don't, I think they've missed the the boat on that one so far. I hope they, uh, they can do something to incorporate that. You're a hundred percent right. And if the Labo was displayable, which the current things that they have, I would not display. Um, but like if they had something that was cool and displayable, I would be all about it, but still probably not at the $80 all about it. It's not $80 cool. Even then it's still cardboard. Um, but I might go online like I do with some Lego stuff and download the blueprints for free and make my own out of cardboard. <laughs> That's, I mean that, yeah, 
that, that I mean that, that that's a cool aspect too. I mean yeah. there like there is potential there, but we'll we'll see if they actually make a, a game that's deep enough where you're actually getting something for that eighty dollars as opposed to a a five dollar yeah. downloadable game really is what you're you're paying for in well, eighty dollar cardboard. Have you seen the little mini arcade cabinets for the Switch? Um I don't think I have. Cause I don't know. I think it might have been RGT85 that reviewed them, but um, basically it's a little like Neo Geo looking arcade cabinet thing, and you can put the Switch screen in it, and it's made out of like particle board or something, and it costs like, I think it was like twenty dollars. I, I think they're twenty. Yep. It was twenty bucks, so I got one. It was twenty dollars, and it's awesome. It's cool. It's a gimmick. I used it a few times. Like it's, I'm not gonna do it that often. But I put a World of Nintendo sticker on the front. It looks cool, um, but that's Labo. It's a gimmick. Like t- for twenty bucks, that was cool. It's made of wood. It's particle board. Like, but cardboard, even at twenty dollars, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, and like I said, it it would have to it would have to tie in with a big game, something, and it's yeah. a, a collector's edition is really what you'd have to do. Or that that yes. piece of cardboard would have to be just something so special. The most special cardboard of all cardboards. Really? <laughs> and that's the thing, like, they they could do so much more with it, too. Like, they were talking about, or you'd see in the videos where they draw, do the art part on it. They could have a paint by numbers art on it, too. And then, you know. I was thinking that uh, as well, that you could do that as uh, an add-on for those. Like, I mean, the thing is, though, is that from the collector's standpoint, um, those will be interesting because you know the the actual Switch collectors probably already bought a copy to keep sealed. So, but like in the future, like getting a complete <clears throat> Switch collection, I wonder if that's gonna be like you're gonna have to get all those. Oh, that that would be brutal. I'm I'm sure they will. You know that's, but who knows? This library for the Switch isn't massive, anyways, and, yeah. and who knows how many more games they'll they'll keep adding to this. But yeah, it's. I, their online thing's getting fucking nuts now. Like, their online, like, digital games, there's so many that are on my wish list, and I'm not buying them because it's like, I already have a backlog of physical games. It's insane. And Yeah. So, so talking collector, I got a, a good one for you. Um, what do you think about, there's two, there's two facets. First of all, the collector's editions. Like, what do you think about that going forward? Because starting with this generation... The collector's editions have gotten way out of fucking control. It started with the PS3 era. Now with this one, there are like multiple versions of everything. Think if you were trying to collect a complete PS4, and then you had to get Mortal Kombat, for example, had three tiers of collector's editions. Yeah, I, I, for for me, I wouldn't as a collector, and I, you know, I have a complete GameCube set, so yep. I, the collector's editions in big boxes. I, I'm not such a, you know, I, I don't need those kind of things. If the game is wonderful and I love it so much, then yeah, you, you want the ultimate edition of that, which yeah. is the collector's edition. But I mean, like I just pre-ordered one yesterday for the, the Valkyrie Chronicles 4 mm-hmm. for the Switch. I, it's $100. You know, I'm, I'm spending an extra $40 for an art book and something else, you know, mm-hmm. a map. Uh, I, I can justify that though, because I know that game will be something that I, I'm going to get hours of enjoyment out of, and I'm just going to love to look at it because the the last one, you know, was so wonderful. Yeah, 
it's it's interesting too because like i think it has to do with our generation because we're in the same generation where we grew up with console gaming coming into the foray like we both started young with the atari um but then when we came to our own as gamers it was toward that third generation of nes and there were no collector's editions until you really until you hit the ps3 era so like for us it's more about the game but i wonder those in that generation that grew up with that as a kid how they're gonna feel come 10 20 years down the road that's the crazy thing to think about because to me like i would be fine if i'm going for a complete ps4 which i would be fucking insane um and eventually there'll be a book on it probably <laughs> like i mean there's only time that's all we got um but the thing is though is that like i would be fine with just the games but that's a collector's market <laughs> i i have friends that that order every single collector's edition they got it a doesn't warehouse. even matter what it is they, they just they want it i, I don't that, that's what they just i don't I mean, get it I, I don't understand it either, but I guess th- there's that sense of thinking that maybe you won't be able to get this ever again mm-hmm. and that you just have to do it. So I, I get that aspect, but a lot of these are so overprinted that uh, it's you don't even have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, that and that's the thing with the overprinting because now I say I don't get it, but there is a limited edition NES homebrew scene where people make LEs of their homebrew games. So say I do Black Box Challenge, right? Well, there is one copy that I did where Fabio Fabrico, Heatman on Facebook, did a hand-burned fucking wooden box that's gigantic that fits the I fucking game in it. Like, so... And somebody paid whatever Fabio charged. <laughs> like, he, whatever he charged, like, somebody got that. And there's only one of those things. Like, but that thing is like crazy looking, but I get that. But if you're trying to collect every single NES homebrew limited edition, you ain't going to do it because that one guy got his one copy that exists and he's not going to part with it. Like, (laughs) like, it's just, that's the crazy aspect where like that stuff's finite to me. That's cool. But then again, that's also technically not collectible. So because there's only one. Like if they do like that's technically not collectible because there's one and you're never going to be able to collect it unless Mm-mm. that person gives it up. And then what worries people with the NES homebrew is that me being the creator, I I could always create more. It's like you could do that too. Like so, say I do the the Nintendo black box label of black box challenge where I made thirty. Who's to say I don't make ten more or twenty more because I just buy more of the the equipment and stuff and make more? You could potentially. So that that aspect, too, means that, oh, if it's like stadium events where there's only so many out there. But what if a buddy I know who's sitting on a sealed box of them just decides to start releasing them? I do know a guy who has a sealed box of stadium events. <laughs> I mean, that that would change things. But then again, is it, it's not going to change the, things the demand's too high. drastically enough to, to, to mess with anything no. all that much. Yeah, I mean, the the guy has sealed boxes of every because he was collecting in the eighties, and he just bought he he went to the wholesaler and was buying box of them sealed and just put them away in storage of every NES release. 
Like that's some foresight right there. And uh, that's foresight. That's that's extra money. That's space. That's effort. That's dedication. That's that's madness. Is what that is. Well, and yeah, he was in the had to be in the financial stability that yeah. that like we're in or beyond what we're in now. Like to be able to do that shit in the eighties. Like. And have the connections. Like, I don't even know how he did that without the internet. So, yeah. That's fucking crazy. I think he just had an in at a game store or at Toys R Us or something. But it's like, that stuff is crazy, too. So, so before I get off track, the limited edition collector's editions is one crazy thing to think about. But it's like, there's also... Shit, lost my train of thought. Awesome. <laughs> But yeah, there's like there's multiple facets with new collecting though that just just always get me. It's like the stuff that's like limited edition, limited run games too. Like, what do you think about that? Like, where it's like, I, uh, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I bought maybe two of those games. I, I just most mm-hmm. of them I, I don't care for, and th- there's a reason why you, you probably didn't see those originally on a console. Yeah. And that's the that's the reality of that is that a lot of those games I don't feel like are full games they're they're not deep enough for that experience to to warrant putting the money into the product. Um, You're talking yeah, borderline shovelware. Yeah, exactly is is what it feels like, and and I get it. And the price point's pretty good sometimes at thirty dollars brand new, but I unless the game's something special and and really caters towards what I like, I I don't I have no. But yeah, those people going forward that are going to try to go for PS4 sets, but who knows, maybe in 10 years, th- these kind of things like settle down because you know, everyone's just scalping copies of all those games yeah. and trying to make a premium because every convention we go to, I'm like, how does every table have five of the same game? Exactly. And that like, kills the allure to me. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. How do you have so many copies of this? It, d- it doesn't add up, does it? No, it doesn't, and I was a little bit salty because I wanted Double Dragon 4 or the NES box, as well as River City Ransom, Melee, the the NES boxes, and I couldn't get them. And then I see so many people with them, and it's like triple, double, triple the price, and I'm like, these motherfuckers are the reason why I couldn't get my copy, and it sours me on the whole aspect of collecting that way. Um, I think that um, Douglas from Limited Run Games kind of you know, him and his partners, they kind of been watching. And that's why with the Switch, they're doing more of a pre-order to demand type deal with the Switch. I think that's that's brilliant. That's that's the way it should have been from the get-go. And if they do what they're saying, which is once the pre-order date's done, no more, that's awesome. Because then it's like, you know what, get it while you can. And then after this time, you got to pay attention to Limited Run. Then you can only get it from them if they have any remaining stock because they'll probably do what i do and take any of the extra funds for that game and get a couple extra copies for conventions but did you hear this also that i i heard this i think smash jt might have leaked this information that their nintendo for every downloadable game they have in their catalog you're going to be able to make a physical copy on the switch with the cover art that you want i've heard so that, of could that. Be really that you didn't hear about this? No, I, I've heard of it, but I didn't. I, I, maybe it was Smash JT or somebody, but I haven't seen anything since somebody talked to me. This was like a few months ago that they were talking about it, right? It is, but it seemed like they accidentally had leaked that information and pulled it back. But it would make sense, and you sure you got to pay a premium of 
of $60, $70, but you know, that, that could change that whole market too. You know what I mean? And then think about collecting, like then what is it? Like, how do you collect for the switch? Because you could literally have infinite games. <laughs> yeah, but it would get really expensive, right? At $70 a pop. Yeah. Whatever it is, a pop. It's like, so then what is the standard art? What is the, and then what is the, the games that are like, you'd have to have one of each game that's on the, <laughs> and one of each variant of each game. So like, say they release a different version digitally than they do on the physical release of a certain release, but that digital copy is different. And then do the demos count? Cause you can put the demos on a cartridge technically. Oh, I think that <laughs> I'm just saying like, I open up, like I do collector's books. So I open up rabbit holes, man. But then again, the, the market won't won't sway with price. So once you have that copy, it's only worth $70 max. And then there's a good chance it's worth a lot less to most other people that don't care about that game with that, that cover variant. Yeah, and, and my thing is, is I'm thinking like down the road when it comes to people getting the games after this service is done. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, when it, when it's all said and done, when then yeah, I guess that changed the whole the whole thing. That could be some big money, I guess. Like, cause I'm literally gonna get every digital game that's not gonna be physically released from like the ones that I love, like anything that's a hidden gem. It'd be amazing. I would get, and I could already assume that some of my buddies that are doing games, you know, talking about like the game sturdy ones with Sydney Hunter, I'm assuming that they'll use that service to make their own games or have another person do that. So Sydney Hunter will be physical. Like got to assume they're collector vision. They got to have a collector's edition. <laughs> like, and that's the thing. So I wouldn't have to do it for those, but like for some of the other games, you got to think like, and the thing is, is that that does open up that possibility. What if the developers start, releasing their games with Nintendo system for like 70 bucks pop. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy to think I, I, you know, it really could change a lot of different business models for Nintendo. If they see that some of the stuff takes off and I don't know, I'll, I'll be curious. This is a uh, really intriguing stuff to me. It'll definitely change the landscape. I think, and it'll, it'll be interesting because there'll be people that'll just be like, Oh no, I'm not going to, go down that rabbit hole because I don't care about it. But then there'll be other people that will have some badass copies of games. Cause there's stuff that's going to be released that are just classics that are on the digital. Yeah. Release. There's a bunch of schmups on the, on, on the, the switch that that's the only way you can play them. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and imagine doing a fucking Neo Geo collection that they've been releasing. We have switch Neo Geo collection. That'd be kind of cool too. That'd be kind of cool. And then you have Ikaruga that was just released. So you could have Ikaruga with the Neo Geo and you could have this consistent box art style over all your shit. Like thinking about it as a retro collector is like, God damn it. That rabbit hole. Be... That's like a thousand dollar investment. Multi-thousand dollar. <laughs> like, God yeah. damn it. And that's just one niche. Like we collect everything. We play everything. That's not for me. Probably for you. It's not even a financial thing that i want to jump down right now it's not a hole that i want to do nope little by little be the only way so i did figure out what i was the the second part of the the collector question and it also started 
around the PS3 era. What do you think of, and, and it didn't because it started before, but what do you think of Ultimate releases? So back in the day, you had re-releases of games, greatest fucking hits, and I hate greatest hits. But Nintendo did re-releases of, say, Metroid, where you have that yellow fucking badass artwork for the second release of Metroid. But then later on, and Super Nintendo has re-releases where they don't change anything, but there's a different version of the ROM on the game. That's a deep-ass rabbit hole. Like, there's version 1.1 of Donkey Kong Country and 1.2 of Donkey Kong Country where they change some shit. Um, There's one game where they actually change some music in it. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in, in level three or something like crazy ass shit that i know too much about um later on playstation one greatest hits that yellow f- or the green fucking sidebar of death that i don't like um uh, how, what do you feel about the greatest hits and then we'll move forward i i mean it's it's fine it, obviously i don't love it just because it doesn't look visually as nice next to your your non-greatest hit titles but at the same time Mm-hmm. You know, you just lump them all together. You pull it out of the alphabetical order just so you keep them all together. And it, it still looks fine and the games play fine. I got no issue with it. And usually it's you, you get it at a, a nice discount. So yep. there's there's pros to it as well as the cons, but it's 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 an equal thing. I, I don't I'm not that much of a, a collecting snob where I can't have the greatest hits. Well, I think you're in my boat, too, where if you find it for a deal, and I know you are because when you do the RGC episodes, when you find it for a deal, you're going to pick the fucker up. And then there's always the upgradable. So, like, if you find the non-grace hits later, pick it up, and then you can replace it and trade it to somebody else for, you know, another game or cash for another release. Like, talking about, like, just basically label upgrades and... That's that's what I would use the Grace Hits for. So if I can only get Symphony of the Night for a dollar Grace Hits, and then later on I find the actual black label, then good to go. Like I'll just upgrade that shit. <laughs> that's really that's I mean yeah you look at it the same way. It's I, I know a lot of collectors though that won't they won't even touch it. They're like nope don't want it. I'm like all right you know mm. you could always switch it out. At least you have the game you can play it if you want. Exactly. Yeah. So. Now, going forward, here's the where it gets a little deeper. So, you get game releases on the PS3, now, and now with this generation 2, where they release the fucking game immediately. So, say you buy, um, let me use Mortal Kombat X. You buy Mortal Kombat X, right? You got the fucking retail release. A year later, they release Mortal Kombat XL on a physical disc with all the DLC on it. So in the future, when the networks are gone and you can't download the DLC anymore unless somebody hacks into it um, and, a lot, and you can do it as a hacker, um, if you have Mortal Kombat X, you're going to only have the standard release. But then Mortal Kombat XL is the same game with all that extra content. And there's two different collector pieces there. <laughs> you see I, you where know, the rabbit hole gets fucking crazy, though? Because that's a does, different gaming the, the experience. Theme- with these new games, I I almost all the fighting games I won't buy it until it hits a price point of like sixteen to twenty dollars. Correct. Like no matter what, I'll wait. Especially because you know that it's every time they do it, Street Fighter. It's like, come on, how many versions of this game do we need? And it's it, it's just a ripoff. And I see friends buying each copy each time. Like just wait. It's not like you're in any rush to play Street Fighter Two again. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you have it on other platforms. You, you don't need it right now. So Yeah, you know they're going to do I'm Ultimate okay. Mortal Kombat 3 Infinite Plus Alpha Turbo Super Edition. Like, you know they're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and you know, so – but that goes for just about any game out there. Even like uh, – what is it? The the last Resident Evil. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I waited. I waited and got the Gold Edition. I'm glad I did. I got it the Gold Edition for 25 bucks. Hell, yeah. You just – no, you wait a little bit. It's I'm, not, I'm still it's waiting. <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, we'll get that motherfucker. Like, I want to play it real bad, but I'm like, that's a, that's a wonderful game. And, and at 25 bucks, so I, I was I was happy. It was like one of those moments where I'm like, this is why I wait. I'm yeah. fine with it. So, and that's the thing that gets crazy. Then is that if people don't research, they're gonna be like not getting the optimal versions. Capcom's the classic. You never buy Capcom till later because they always release fucking no. shit later. Um but it's like there's so many games out there where there's like a, a much better version. I mean Fallout games do that all the game of the year editions is what I call it. Like it's so many games that do the game of the year edition and then that's not a greatest hit because it has all this extra content on it. And then, and then you got one further where it's like now they're taking a PS2 release, re-releasing it on PS3, and now re-releasing it on PS4. You know what game I'm talking about? They just did it. No, I've I've know a bunch of games that yeah. I, I'm not sure which. There, there's been oh yeah, from, the Mega Man stuff. I, from and from two to I've, three to four, Shadow of the Colossus. They just did all three. Like they've upgraded the visuals three times now, and. And, and I've bought all three. <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm a sucker. Uh, <laughs> I, I waited once again. I I've got them all for really good prices, so I, yeah. I have no issue there. And and that's the key is, and that's the one thing I always say with collecting is it's a marathon, not a sprint. You don't need to buy every game sixty dollars new because then you'll be broke. If you wait and get it for twenty dollars or less later, like that's my budget right now for Switch games is like. If it's like new at thirty bucks, that's Owlboy was thirty bucks brand new, so picked it up. Um, but like, I don't go to the sixty dollars unless it's a Mario or a Zelda, like a blockbuster title that I want to fucking play, and I know I'm gonna play, it and it's not gonna go in my backlog. I'll buy it. If it's going in my backlog, I'm waiting. Yeah, no, it's it's a good a good place to be where you know it, it's just being really smart and and knowing numbers and and basic stuff like that where. What when to sell, when to buy, and and being patient, I think is uh is is pretty important in this this community. If you want to be good at it and you want to have a nice collection, yep, just got to be smart. And I mean, I don't sell ever, so that's my bad part. So I just have a garage full of games uh, that <laughs> you don't get rid of, you don't, you don't have doubles. I don't buy doubles typically because I just wait and I don't go game hunting too often anymore. Ever since I started doing the books, all my my thrifting and stuff, I spend that time editing now, unfortunately. But when and when I go yep. to conventions, I just pick and choose the. I I go for cool shit, is what I say. So I will go and buy a square painter fucking painting when I go to the convention. So I'm not going to see well, that in the fucking store. Your collection is you are way ahead of the game. It seems like because <laughs> you you already have everything cool anyway. So you you're you're all good. You don't have to do the hustle anymore. But I'm not like with you with going for all the GameCube and things like that, I'm not buying everything. I only buy what I like. So like even with NES, like my NES box art collection and all that that I have displayed, like I'm only hand picking the stuff that I like when I find it. 
So, like, my Mega Man 2 box that I have on my collection, it doesn't even fucking have a left side. It's like, it looks like a dog took a bite out of it. But it's in a box protector, and it looks amazing on my shelf because the front looks good. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't matter as long as it looks nice. And who cares? I, I got the same deal. Boxes yeah. are just falling apart, but I don't – who cares? That's the why video there. game box protectors exist. You throw it in the box protector, it keeps the form. And then the art is there, and it has a history. I won't even buy another Mega Man 2 box unless I basically get it for super ridiculously cheap because, like, it has a story to it. Like, I don't need... As long as the front art is intact, because the artwork is awesome on that, so bad is good, that, um, like, I will keep that. I don't need everything in my collection to look pristine. I like patina. That's a collector thing. Patina. No, it really is. I have no issue with stuff that's worn out because it's fine. There's there's yep. nothing wrong with it. Looks good, feels good. Well, it's just like um, labels now, like having stickers on the front of the NES cartridge. I don't want a sticker, but on the back, I don't care. If it says Video Game Palace on there that it was part of back in the day on the back of the cartridge, I will leave that on the back of the cartridge. I didn't used to. I used to clean everything perfectly. But now it's like, so that store doesn't fucking exist anymore. That's a piece of history in and of itself. It's it's true. That's a, a just and that's a, another thing, a connection mm-hmm. to the past where you know it's those are those are gone. Those those stores don't exist anymore. And the thing is, though, with, that'll be different with if it was on the box, I would have an issue with it. If it was on like the case of a game, because there's art there, there's descriptions there that it would be covering. But, like, on the back of a cartridge, which literally doesn't have anything, there's some free space, I, I'm okay with them having their label on the back of it. Like, as long as it doesn't interfere with the aesthetic. Well, as long as you don't have to pay a premium for the box, I'm, I'm all right with it. If it comes with it like that, I'm like, man, I just paid the price what I would get the game for, and mm-hmm. the, the crappy box comes with it, That that's that's a plus to me. I don't, I never complain about that kind of stuff. Exactly freaking crazy so i think we're getting a a little bit near the end here of the the cast because we recorded for quite a bit (laughs) like i don't want to do i want to cut it off before two hours on all these suckers so um so what is the next step for rebel gaming club i know you're going to too many games you're going to be fucking knocking it out of the park with naked jordan running around we we know that's happening it's gonna happen Mm. <laughs> um so after too many games what what is the next big thing i mean i know you're probably going to be keep doing content right but like is there any like big thing you're building toward i mean the 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 biggest thing is that we need to finish up the this first album essentially we've been Hell leaking yeah. the songs kind of as we've been going but i i want to compile 10 of the songs and pretty much i want to release an nes album so we want to do system by system pretty oh, much amazing. so this first album it's it's pretty much all nes stuff and that will be kind of the first release so that that's the the first main priority on and, vinyl uh, i i don't know about on vinyl because it's so expensive Damn. to do i was thinking originally i was thinking cassette with a digital download code that'd cool too that'd be cool too or like cassette like you were cool. saying maybe even a uh, an actual nes cartridge would would be even well, cooler as, as soon as my buddy up. figures that out man i will let you know you know i will fucking let you know because like that's that's what but, we do in the community um and if you're doing the system by system by the way 
Um, whenever I decide to re-release a definitive edition of the complete NES, obviously we'll we'll figure it out because it'll be a couple years down the road. We'll both do reprints. <laughs> do something cool. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, next with with the next book or whatever, we'll we'll do some sort of uh, tie-in. I'll uh, I'll get some some albums, you know, some CDs printed for you, and just throw it in as a a throw-in on these pre-orders for the books or something. Exactly, because I mean, I'm doing a Sega Genesis like in a year or two, whenever that comes out. Like, if I keep on getting fires under my ass, maybe it'll be quicker than two years. But, um, but like then after Sega Genesis, I'm going to Turbo Graphics 16. Yeah, it's gonna be a beast. I'll have to tap out at this point because that's where I'm like, I don't it's too obscure. Anything outside of the norm with yeah. video games. I'm, I'm yeah. terrible. Just, that one's going to be it. obscure, but then like sometime in between Genesis and turbo though, I may re-release the NES book because I get requests every day because on my store, you can click remind me when this comes in stock. And I see every one of those in my email. It's like everyday reminders. So like there's that's why I read that's why I did the definitive complete SNES because it was out of stock and I was getting like ten a day requests so I'm like wow. well, if people fucking want it let me do a definitive it was successful and now we'll be in stock for a while like that's just how I do them is based on demand so there's enough demand for the complete NES I will I'm going to redo it as a definitive edition though because that was the first book that I did and I built that fucker in Microsoft Word. So, yeah, I need to <laughs> I need to I need to redo that thing. <laughs> it needs a little bit of polish. Um that's a that'll be a an endeavor, but with the techniques I've just learned, oh, it'll be quick a quick endeavor actually. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, you got Sega Genesis, but then like you have for the books, the Nintendo Compendium, the Super Nintendo Compendium, I can do a Genesis Compendium of personal stories of our history with the system. Like, it's the rabbit hole is never ending. And like you guys doing NES albums and system by system albums, you'll probably do a Super Nintendo or a Genesis album. Like, those make sense. That, I mean, that is, that is the hope. Yeah, so I mean, there's always tie in. And if I'm doing redoing print runs, there's no reason why. We can't have you guys get a freaking tear with your stuff too. And, you know, it's anybody that I know, fucking join. Join the club. It's <laughs> like, awesome. I love just, it. That's just it, man. I mean, that's what crowdfunding's all about anyways, is just having everybody be able to get their, their stuff out there. And if there's a Rebel Gaming Club fucking tier where you can get a vinyl and they have to pay whatever it costs for the vinyl. So say it costs you thirty dollars to do each vinyl it's 40 bucks for the vinyl it's a collector's item you're only going to make so many because you can only afford to make so many you make 10 bucks on it for you guys and you sell it for 30 like you like you could do the vinyl it's just you would have to crowdfund the fucker <laughs> oh yeah no i i, I realized that and that's yeah. where i'm like uh i, I just i yeah. i I, at this point, I don't want to reach out until it's uh -uh. like really, really needed. Where I'm like, all yeah. right, this is important. Yeah, exactly. And doing it on a cassette and CD—that's that's awesome. That'll be cool as shit. And well, we can pull it out of our pocket and you know not lose yep. our asses. Well, and it's just one of those things that a lot of people that go to crowdfunding don't do is take it there after it's intellectually done. So, like, my books, like the Hidden Gaming Gems one, it's intellectually done already. So as soon as it's funded, like, pending contributors, it's ready to be published. That was the same thing with my Super Nintendo book. Like, the only reason why it took so long was 
freaking holidays over in Asia. That's why I kept on getting delayed. <laughs> Asian holidays, and I'm waiting two, three months, and like that was the craziness. But like the book itself was done in freaking November, and I submitted it forward. Like editors and QCs and all that craziness just takes forever. So, but like, so say I do a reprint of the complete NES after I already have it laid out and done, and your freaking Nintendo album's already been out for a year. <laughs> like, there you go. That's just there it is. That's we'll that's we'll as easy we'll as fucking together. production. You know what I mean? It'll work, man. And wherever we are, I mean, I could always get with Sly Dog and re-put out Black Box Challenge as a different version somehow. Maybe he'll be ready to add a little content and <laughs> you don't know. Possibilities wide open. Don't know. It can't be the same version, though, because I'm not... Once something's finite, I'm not doing the, the same thing again. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me. But, um, alright, man, uh, it was good shooting the shit with you, uh, Dan, where can people find you? Obviously, it's YouTube, but... <laughs> yeah, YouTube, Rebel Gaming Club, you search it out, there, there's, we got a bunch of videos up, and you'll you see what kind of stupid shit we're all about. Hell yeah, you guys, do you have a social media presence? I know you're on Facebook, but do you have, like, a RGC fucking page yet, or any of that stuff? Yeah, no, we're, we have a Facebook, RGC facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter nice but you know the youtube is is where it's at for us for the most part yeah and, and as we said rgc is fucking underground find them if you want them find them same thing with with me you want you want to find my shit find me like the people do that's the thing like hagan's alley books has like 5500 fucking followers on on facebook um like youtube i've been doing videos now i think i'm going on my ninth year on youtube oh yeah 200 subscribers that's where we're at man (laughs) (laughs) i've never done constant content though i've only thrown up a fucking edited video every once in a while got a bug up my ass did a couple like single single credit reviews did some cool shit had my wife playing where when she dies once she's done like one life wife like (laughs) i did some (laughs) weird It was funny as shit too, um, but I did some of that. But it's like I know how much it takes to edit videos, and until I get at the RGC level of editing mastery, I, I can't do that. Um, obviously, these episodes aren't going to hit the SEO because they're way too long, which is fine by me. Underground, here we go. That's right. <laughs> All right, brother. Uh, it was good shooting the shit, man. Um, thanks for coming on, Dan. Yeah, and until next time. Hey, Dan, I brought my Genesis today. What the fuck is that? My Genesis. We're playing Nintendo. Nintendo. So sit the fuck down! Watch Nintendo. Uh, you got your own controller. You ready to play? <laughs> That's not funny, man. Funny. What's so funny about that? Genesis. Take the controller. Take... Oh, you're going to break my fucking system? Hit the start button! Okay. This is Nintendo, not Genesis! Two buttons, stupid, not three. I see that. You got a fucking problem? Is there a problem here? Nope. Gimme, gimme, gimme! My Nintendo! 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 Rush! And attack! Skulls! And crossbones, being the bars of the playing. 
playing Genesis? This is fucking Nintendo! Native Turtles! Sorry, guys. Here, go! You spit on my fucking controller. I can't clean it off.